0: Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlacetampa.com. Well, uh, we're in the middle of a series called Body of Miracles. It's been challenging, it's been awesome, it's been saturated with the Gospels, which I love the Word of God. Come on, anybody love the Bible? I love it. It's so good. And we are talking through all seven of the miracles in the Gospel of John. All seven miracles in the Gospel of John. And we are going one by one. And I thought we would go seven weeks because there's seven of them. But last week, I really only got through half my notes. So this is part 4B, I guess. This is part 2 of part 4 I don't know. I don't know how we're going to describe it on the podcast, but you can go back and listen to the others, and you can go back and uh, just dig out everything that God is saying, uh, but I want to just recap really quickly, okay, for those who weren't here and for those who were here, just to remind you, all right, is that fair? Is that okay? All right, so last week, we are reading uh, and studying and receiving revelation about the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus really did feed over 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes, Apparently, in the kingdom of God, five times two equals five thousand plus. I don't know how that works, except that God is God and I am not. Hallelujah! Aren't you glad I'm not God? I'm just as glad you're not God. You know? So we say, if I were God, I'm like thank God I'm not. You know. Anyway, He does amazing things, and the 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 bottom line for me is that we have to begin to see these things as historical acts, not just some fantasy Bible land thing. Okay, Jesus really did take five loaves, two fishes, and feed over 5,000 people. It really happened. Does anybody believe it really happened? Say it really happened. <laughs> There's this like approach sometimes to scripture where we're like, oh, that's nice. Jesus did that. That was a thing, but not, not. That was just, you know, that's just a story. Nah. Nope. Not a story. It's history, it's historical. Amen? So this is what really happened. Jesus had a huge crowd, and I'm just going to go through some points I had last week, that Jesus always had a crowd. Amen? Always had a crowd. Before Facebook, before Twitter, before Instagram. I don't know. He's got mad skills, because apparently he could pull a crowd out of thin air. I don't know. It's crazy. And he could feed them out of thin air, too, when we found out. So this is what we were talking about. Jesus always had a crowd, but a crowd never had him. And that's the difference. We slap the pride label, subconsciously even, on people that draw huge crowds. Like, oh, they're probably just in it for themselves. Well, you got to do the same thing to Jesus if that's what you're going to do, if you're going to make that assumption. Because he always had a crowd. Read the book of Mark. It says over and over again, a massive crowd, a massive crowd, a massive crowd, a massive crowd, flocking to him, flying to him. Everywhere he was, there was a crowd trying to break into the place. Right? Fire code broken all the time breaking through the roof, just doing whatever they had to do to make it through the crowd, amen? And that's because true righteousness is attractive. That's, this is what we talked about. It says in the word of God that they were attracted by the amazing miracles that he performed. That's what it says. It says in John 6, which we're going to, not going to read the whole thing today. We're just going to read the back half of it. It says that they were attracted by his miracles. And that uh, just tells me that we should be attracting people with the same thing. Miracles are better than marketing. Just saying. I'd like to submit to you that we only need marketing when we have no miracles. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, ouch, it's okay. Just blink your eyes if you need to repent. Just that way I know and you know and we all know you repented. It's good. (laughs) Anyway, here's the statement that I landed on, that self-righteousness always repels, but true righteousness always attracts. So you know if you're walking in the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, if sinners like you. (laughs) I'm not talking about compromising and being of the world. I'm talking about being the attractive righteousness of God that's in Christ Jesus. Amen? Am I wrong? Everywhere you went had a crowd, right? All the sinners liked him. And it wasn't because he was constantly turning water into wine, all right? That happened once. It wasn't like an every Tuesday thing, all right? You know, he was carrying the true righteousness of God out of heaven and into the earth. And people want the true kingdom. They want it. Everybody wants the kingdom. Jesus proved it. He also, in this story, actually asked Philip uh, where we're going to buy enough food. Where we're going to buy enough food. And Philip went to answer, How can we buy enough food? You ever done this? God asks you a question and you answer a different one. (laughs) I've done this many times. God said, hey, Phil, where are we going to buy enough food for all these people? He goes, well, I guess if we had thousands of dollars, we wouldn't be able to pay just for a snack. He's like, wrong question. I didn't ask you that question. I didn't ask you how. I asked you where because the provision was actually already assumed because the source was sitting in front of him. He went to a mindset of lack I don't have the resource. And he's like, that's okay. I am the source of all resources. And Philip was brought out of this, this mindset. I believe God brought him out of this mindset because it was through the testing, right? He was te- it says it was to test his faith. And I love this because God never tests you to find anything out about you. Like God doesn't make you, doesn't test you so that he can figure something out. I wonder what they're going to say to this question. You know, like, oh, I'm going to give a multiple choice test. I'm going to grade it later and find out what's really going on in there. That's not God. God tests you for you to find you out. Come on. God tests you for you to find out where you're at. Amen. It's to reveal where you are so that you can begin to make progress because present awareness is required for forward progress. Let's say that again. Forward progress requires present awareness. Otherwise, you don't know you progressed. We're going from glory to glory. That means you've got to have a present awareness of the glory you're at. Now, people twist this, and they say, see, you're bad, and you're going to get gooder. No, you're in glory, and you're going to get more glorious. But it still requires present awareness. We don't go from bummer to glory. We go from glory to glory. Amen? Come on. But it still requires present awareness. There's this spiritual denial thing in the, in the church. Like, I'm spiritual if I ignore my problems and call that faith. No, 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 no. Faith ignores the problem's influence. It doesn't ignore its existence. It ignores its influence. That problem is not king. Jesus is king. Amen? Great. I'm glad you're excited in this very Presbyterian meeting right here. (laughs) I got love for the Presbyterian. No worries. Listen, God is our source, and he gives us resources, okay? Your... Job is not your source. It's a resource that the source gave you. Hello? Your income is not your source. Men, let me tell you. Let me give you the most freeing thing I can give you right now. You are not the source of provision in your household. Men, listen to me. You are not the source of provision in your household. You are not the source. You are given resources from the source. When you confuse it, you become the source, you become God, you become Lord, and your needs need to be met by you. Bad place to be. He provides all my needs because he loves me. He's my source. He gives me resources like ability to work. Amen? Amen? Don't confuse the two. Get them in the right order. It's good. Philip was thinking resource. Jesus was thinking, I'm going to show you the true source. Amen? Come on. I love this because he had everyone sit down on the mountainside. He had them all sit down and rest because it's only in a place of rest we you can receive the living bread. It's only from rest that you receive the living bread. You're striving and working and everything. You might get some true things. You might learn some principles, but you won't meet the prince because the prince does everything sitting down in the new covenant. He sat down at the right hand of the father. Come on. Come on. And for you to be an imitator of God means you need to sit down and take a rest. It takes more faith to rest than it does to work. It takes way more faith to rest than it does to work. And Hebrews 4.11 says that we actually are supposed to strive to enter his rest. Let me read it or quote it in the Passion Translation. It says, do everything necessary to enter his faith rest life. There's a podcast titled with that somewhere. Yeah. I'll celebrate with you. I actually am now a Charisma Podcast Network member. It's really crazy. Charisma Magazine, like the Charisma Magazine, asked me to be a podcast member. And it's going out to like 5 million people four times a month. Crazy. And I'm teaching on the faith, rest, life of God. Hallelujah. I'm excited about the rest of God coming into the church. (laughs) About the striving, ceasing. Right? Ah, Amen. Anyway. A few people looked up. I'm like, is there an angel or something? I don't know. I'm just paying attention. He had them all sit down and rest, and that's where we receive his faithfulness, right, is from rest. And finally, last little recap thing. He actually gave thanks before the miracle ever happened. In this story, he actually thanks God. I'm going to read it again. Before the miracle ever happened. It's amazing because we thank him. We enter his gates with thanksgiving, meaning you thank him at the gates so that you enter A lot of us are like, I want to see a miracle so I can give thanks. And that's not God's way. God's way is, trust me here, and you'll see it. (laughs) Thank him at the gate, and then you're able to walk in and see it. Amen? Come on. He did this, and this is the thing. You need to hear this. You need to hear this. You need to hear this. Say, I need to hear this. A heart grounded in the promises of God will always thank him in the face of lack. Hear this. A heart grounded in the promises of God to provide, to be good, to give you health, to, get, to bless you. A heart grounded in his promises will always thank him in the face of lack. You don't have enough money for that bill. Your response should be thank God. Thank God. You are my source and you're about to prove it. <laughs> Come on. Come on. They had a lack issue. Hello, five loaves, two fishes, thousands, almost 10,000 people, some scholars say, with women and children. Five loaves, two fishes, 10,000 people. That's a lack issue. Hello, you've got a lack problem. We need more. We need more than we got right now. All right. And so his response is, oh, thank you, God. (laughs) Why? Because he saw the promise. He knows who the source is. He is the living source. He is the living bread. And so that's an amazing point. I love that. Good point, Caleb. Great word. Amen. (laughs) Awesome. It's okay. I always bring my own encouragement. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. All right. So today I want to read you out of John 6, the rest, the other half of the story, and give you the other half of what I was going to speak last week. Okay? Everybody caught up? You can go back and listen to the podcast. I encourage you to do that. It's, it's really good. We're going to read John 6, 8 through 14. It's messed up on my iPad, so we're going to go ahead and put it on the screen. I'm going to read it to you. It says this is where uh, the disciples, after Philip attempted to answer the wrong question, this is the solution. It says, look, here's a young person with five barley loaves and two small fish. But how far would that go with this huge crowd? And it's messed up right there on my iPad, too. Yeah, and Jesus said, have everyone sit down. He said that to his disciples. So on the vast, grassy slope, more than 5,000 hungry people sat down. Sorry, that slide is messed up. But then Jesus then took the barley loaves uh huh, and the fish and gave thanks to God. He then gave it to the disciples to distribute to the people. Say this with me. He gave it to the disciples. Okay, say it like you drink a Red Bull. He gave it to the disciples. He gave it to the disciples. To distribute to the people. <laughs> good. Remember that. Miraculously, the food multiplied with everyone eating as much as they wanted. Ha! <laughs> so good. When everyone was satisfied, Jesus told his disciples, go get them leftovers. We got food tomorrow. And we need, you know, now go back and gather of the pieces left over so that nothing will be wasted. Come on. The disciples filled up 12 baskets of fragments, a basket of leftovers for each disciple. All the people were astounded as they saw with their own eyes the incredible miracle Jesus had performed. They began to say among themselves, he really is the one. He really is the one. The true prophet we've been expecting. Come on. That's good. So good. I mean, I just just having a like whoop, drive by Holy Ghost moment right now. I'm just going to grab it and let it go. Just went. whoop Okay. You need to read your Bible out loud. You need to go home and read your Bible to yourself. Because faith comes by hearing. And it's better than just listening to it, I'm telling you. You listening to it on your tongue will change you. That's for somebody, I don't know who, hallelujah, probably online. Because we're all professional Christians here (laughs) who know everything. (laughs) It's probably Facebook that needed that. Yeah, amen. (laughs) Uh, uh, I love it. I'm just going to go through some of the pictures, okay? Yeah, I love that he actually gave it to the disciples to distribute. Hear this, hear this, hear this, hear this. The bread multiplied in the disciples' hands, not in the hands of Jesus. Matthew 14 actually shows the same uh, instance, the same event, and it says he actually broke it and gave it to his disciples. He broke the bread and handed it to the disciples, and then it multiplied in their hands, not in his. It multiplied, right? It multiplied, this is so cool, in the disciples' hands as they gave it away. This is the plan, you guys. Jesus said this in John 6, 51. He said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. The living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh, my body. So this is the deal. Jesus came and showed them... And told them, and so that's later. He's explaining. He had that miracle, and then later in the same chapter, he's explaining. My body is true bread, right? We're talking on spiritual level here. We're not cannibals, right? Come on. I love it. I'm doing you a favor that Jesus never did. He said, eat my flesh, drink my blood, end of sermon. And let you deal with it and see who wants the truth. That's what he did. Jesus often offends your mind so that you can step into the kingdom. See, who's going to step over their offense to get the truth? God constantly offends my mind. I hope to offend yours today. I'm trying to offensively advance the kingdom of God. (laughs) Uh, Yes, Lord, help me. Anyway, this is it. The living bread. So he breaks the bread. Do you see this picture? He breaks the bread. Just like his flesh was torn open, the veil ripped so that we could walk into the heavenly places. He prophetically, he prophetically disclosed the purpose of his flesh being torn open. For your provision in all things. For your salvation in all things. We hear the word salvation and saved, and we have a very linear idea of that. We have a very western idea we got a bunch of churchianity around the word saved, okay? Lose your churchianity for a minute and go with me. The word sozo means saved, healed, delivered, set free, whole. So when it says today is the day of salvation, it means today is the day of healing, miracles, restoration, deliverance. Today is the day. So don't tell me he doesn't do miracles today. Amen. <laughs> This is the point. Are you ready for this? We see miracles when we rightly discern the body of Christ as ours to give away. We will see miracles when we rightly discern the broken body of Christ as ours to give away. We're partakers of the divine nature who take the divine into all nature. Not just supposed to be a taker. Supposed to be a co-laborer. To deliver the truth. Oh, no, I'm going to do it. The Vanguard students know. hopefully might know what I'm going to do right now. But let me give you the proper definition of co-laborer. Because we think, oh, yeah, I'm going to labor with God. I'm going to work for God. They're excited. I'm not. This is embarrassing. It's okay. We think, I'm going to work for God. Yeah, he's got me jobs to do. No, that's not what that means. It means co-laborer look at me, it means you're laboring as in birth pains until Christ is fully formed in you so that you can give it away. This is what it looks like to co-labor with God, carrying the promises of God, carrying like Mary. Come on. It's okay. You can think I'm weird. I'm also right. We should be, this is my point, we should be hoping to give someone a miracle today instead of Debating whether they're even for today. The church should be hoping and expecting to give miracles to people today. Instead of wasting time debating whether they are for today or not. Answer the question. Is today the day of salvation? Then miracles are required today. It's not a side issue, guys. We should be hoping to give someone a miracle today. It should be an expectation of your heart. I have the broken body of jesus i have the body of christ i am the body of christ he was broken for our my healing by his stripes i am healed and so are they it's his brokenness that heals us amen come on not your prayer method or your fasting time how much you do or don't that's not what heals you it's an awareness of his wounds That's what it means to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. You need to to look into the broken open side of Jesus and see your worst day. Did you hear what I just said? You need to look into the broken wound of Christ. Imagine going into his wounds and seeing your pain, seeing your trauma, seeing your sickness, and then check your body (laughs) because fruit happens. I don't know how much more I should say about that, so just checking. But this is the deal. It's about selflessness and selfishness. It really is about that because when the devil tempted Jesus, you remember what he, one of the temptations was turn these stones into bread, right? Jesus refused, but when it came to time, the time to feed the multitudes, Jesus did it. He turned bread into more bread, fish into more fish, right? Come on. Just as Jesus refused to selfishly perform a miracle... We need to refuse to selfishly resist the miracle when we see a need. You know, it's selfish for you to have the whole fullness of the Godhead and keep it for yourself. You know, it's actually a wrong paradigm to say, oh, Lord, come and heal this person. It's a wrong paradigm. It's not wrong language. It's a wrong paradigm. Often. Do you know what paradigm is? It's a system of thought. It's not just the thought. It's the ecosystem of thought exists in. The Lord has come, lives in you, and you are the one that's supposed to dispense the miracle to them. He has come. He's in you. You, Lord, help that person. I sent you. I think that's what he responds from heaven all the time. Lord, provide for their need. I gave you to them. (laughs) It's multiplied when you give it away. It's multiplied in your hands. That's the plan. Jesus could still, you guys understand, Jesus could have uh, enacted salvation, rose from the dead, and still be on the earth, like with the healing line, and just bang, 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 bring him in, bang, 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 bang. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. He could still be, like, we'd all go to Jerusalem, line up for a few years, and boom, 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 boom. That wasn't the plan. He said, whoever believes in me, John 14, 12, will do the same mighty works that I do. And even greater things will he do. Why? Because I go to the Father. We're all waiting for Jesus to come back to fix everything. Jesus is waiting for us to get out and bring the heavens to the earth, to bring heaven to earth. That's the point. Every solution to the issues in this world is locked behind our unbelief. It's locked behind your unbelief, man. Oh, Lord, please help them. Well, I gave you to them. Oh, it, let, let me just give you a little indicator. You guys okay? This feels very different. I like it. It's okay. I like it. <laughs> if you are so passionately against something, you might be called to fix it. An indicator of your call is often the thing you hate the most. The issue you complain about the most. Somebody should. Somebody should. Somebody should. Somebody should. Yeah, you're somebody. Hello? And God put the power of a million nuclear reactors inside of you, empowered you from the inside out with the divine spirit of the living God so that you can rise up and stand up and bring a solution. You're a dispenser of glory. But you thought you're just here to take. Conference, conference, worship service, worship gathering, church service. I need need to be fed. I need to get fed. I need to get fed. Jesus said, one drink and rivers will flow out. One drink. You drink from this well, you'll never be thirsty again. Why are we sounding so thirsty all the time? You thirsty, church. The bride should not be thirsty. Come on, any millennials know what I'm talking about? The bride shouldn't be thirsty. It's slang for you need something real bad. It's dumb. No, you have everything. Paul said to the Corinthians, you have all things. All things are yours. You've been given everything according to life and godliness, first Peter, I think, you've been given everything. (laughs) Okay. I can tell I'm getting in trouble with you, so I'm just going to keep moving. It's good. Jesus told him in verse 12 to pick up the extra so nothing is wasted. Stewardship is a high priority in the mind of Jesus. Amen? Stewardship is a high priority, but abundance is his plan. Here's the deal. We think that stewardship and abundance are mutually exclusive. Oftentimes we think stewardship doesn't look like abundance. Well, Jesus doesn't have stewardship without abundance. And he doesn't have abundance without stewardship. <laughs> he doesn't have stewardship without abundance. When God stewards something, he multiplies what he's been given. And you're called to walk in the way that he walked. Amen? Come on, is this helping anybody? Are you are you turning the wheels with me? Hallelujah. And then he's the God of abundance who wastes nothing. That's what I'm saying. He's the God of abundance who doesn't like, oh, I got a bunch of bills I don't know about. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I got extra money, so I just let it flow wherever I want. No, no. He knows where everything goes so that he can multiply it properly. Amen? They picked up 12 baskets of leftovers after everyone was satisfied. Say satisfied. Come on. That's after the need was met. They picked up leftovers. (laughs) They ended with more than they started with. One basket for all the 12 laborers. There's no coincidence that there were 12. Because kingdom prosperity is never selfish and never lacking in its ability to provide for the laborers. You might think that if you co-labor with God and you go out and do something for God, you're going to have less. Or you're just going to have what you started with. That's not God's plan. It multiplies in your hands when you give it away. He gives seed to the sower and bread for the eater. You get to choose which one of those you are. Isaiah 55, seed for the sower, bread for the eater. We got that one down. (laughs) Come on, 1 Timothy 5.18 says, Don't muzzle the ox as it treads for grain. Amen? Meaning the labor is going to go out and get fed by the labor. Paul said those who labor for the gospel should make their living by the gospel. I've been confronted with that lately, last few months. I had to break, break off the lie of, of poverty mentality that I, you know, I just need just enough. I need just enough to get by. I need to just maintain where I'm at. Let me tell you, Matthew 25, 14 through 30 is the parable of the talents. And you know the guy who said, I just need to maintain? The one, he hides what he's been given, he maintains. You know what God calls that? Wicked and evil. If you think you need just to maintain what God God calls that wicked and evil, why? Because it doesn't have enough to give away. It never has enough to bless others. Come on. (laughs) Do I need to just say it? God wants to prosper you. Get over it. (laughs) The church should be the wealthiest people on the planet, emotionally, physically, financially, in every area. You should give glory to God with your finances. You know, you can't give unless you have, right? So, like, if you don't take what you have, and steward it well, and multiply it, you won't have anything to give. The parable of this house, he hid the one. He hid it. I'm just going to keep it. You know what that's called? That's just saving. I'm just going to save. Listen, I ain't even too wicked and evil yet because I have a hard time saving. (laughs) I'm with you. I'm not making a joke right now. Like I have a hard time putting savings away. Anybody else? Just me. Okay, you're all professional Christians. Thank you for the honest ones. I have a hard time putting savings away. I'm not even wicked and evil yet. (laughs) Come on. I'm not wicked or evil. I'm saying the idea, it's a parable. This one is a parable, all right? And he's saying that idea is evil because it's not, it's selfish. It doesn't have enough. I just want enough for me and my family. That's self-righteousness, selfishness like I've never seen before. It says heaven for me to, with everybody else. You should have enough to give away. Here's my statement on this whole thing. I've never seen a tree eat its own fruit. I've never seen a tree eat its own fruit. Everything has grown to give away. But the tree is constantly connected to the source and grows up. Always increasing. Always growing. You can call me a prosperity preacher. I don't care what you think. I don't care. Think what you want. Tell me about it. Write me a message. I'll read it and laugh. It will bring me joy. Please say evil and wretched things about me. I'm begging you. Great is my reward when you do that. I entice it on purpose. I want the blessing of your ridicule. (laughs) Some of y'all cannot handle this. It's okay. It's okay. I'm going to grow up into all things. I'm going to mature into all things, into the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ Jesus himself. Did you hear what I said? I'm going to grow into all things. All things. Come on. All right. And then they they actually are astounded, and the miracle happens. This is crazy, all this abundance. I quoted my friend Jim Baker last week. Jim Baker with one K. I don't know the other one with two Ks. You know, I don't know that guy, but I know Jim Baker with one K. He's a friend of mine and he says it this way. He says, his name is El Shaddai, not El Cheapo. All right. Like that's the idea. He doesn't give you just enough. He overabundantly provides and guess what multiplies it? We're giving it away. Man, I don't know. Like I feel like I see over this right now. This is not. It's in the the vein of the feeding of the multitudes. You can't feed a multitude if you're broke. Hmm. And if you think that it's going to look like always praying for what little you have and seeing it multiply, that's not always going to. We had a testimony. Someone told me this morning that they were on a mission trip a few years ago, and they saw spaghetti sauce feed 300. It was this much, and they watched it grow in the pot. They watched it over time grow in the pot as they were cooking it and everything. It multiplied the spaghetti sauce for 300 kids. That's a miracle. That's awesome. You know what else is a miracle? The church getting out of debt. (laughs) Two people are excited about that. The church. You know, it says the debtor is servant to the lender, right? You cannot serve both God and. So who are you indebted to? Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. If you're new around here, that's how I cope with the awkward. Hallelujah. It's just an anointed melody. I can just, I feel better when I sing. This is what happened. The people were astounded by this amazing abundance because it was abundance, right? Come on. God wants to give you abundance. Say, God wants to give me abundance. God wants to train me in abundant life. God wants me to be marked by abundant life. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus wants to give me life abundantly. I'm just going to participate in what he wants to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, mass repentance. We just got it over with. There we go. All right. This thing, like, hanging in the air, like, go away, go away. There it goes. Okay. Amen. They're astounded and they say, this is the one, this is the true prophet. Here's what happens. People will know we're sent by God when we do something only God can do. There is a form of godliness in the church that totally denies its power. And Paul told Timothy in the last days, there will be those lovers of themselves, you know, they're disobedient to their parents, all this stuff. And they will have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. You know what he says? Avoid such people. Uh, I'd love to tell you, we can't hang out if you don't believe in miracles. I'm called to avoid you. Let me say it this way. I'm called to avoid you if you think that miracles are not for today, if it's just a form but no power. If there's no power in the church today, I'm called to avoid you. So please let me know ahead of time. Get on my avoid list. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, this guy's either crazy or brilliant. I cannot tell. I am so confused. That's good. They said Jesus had a demon almost every time he preached, so. Ah, sorry, that was for Facebook. That's for all those other people. <laughs> it's undeniable that God was at work through Jesus. Amen. Without, power in, of, without the power of God in the church, the world can easily deny that God is at work. And they have easily denied that God is at work. It's just a self-help-me club. It's just to go in there, feel bad about your sin, feel worse and more guilty about what you do, offer no solution, and please give us money. Hello? It's a form of godliness denying its power. We deny the power of God in our actions more than our thinking quite often. Yeah, I'm right about that. Here's the deal. This is a prayer of my life. This is what I call a pride deterrent. Okay, are you ready? You heard of a deterrent? A pride is that something that's going to keep me from pride. This is my big pride deterrent. Not that I have a big expectation of pride. It's kind of a tongue-in-cheek statement. But that is, not this. A prayer of my life is that God would do something so miraculous through me that if I tried to take the credit, everyone would laugh. I want God to work so big in me that if I got up here and tried to take the credit, you'd all immediately break out in laughter. <laughs> immediately go, ha, you are dumb. You think that's from you? <laughs> did you hear that? He thinks he did that. <sighs> that's, I want to hear that response if I ever try to take credit because God's done something so huge in my life. That's what I want. You can take that prayer for yourself. And then as I close, he actually went up the mountain quickly alone. He was discerning the timing and heart of God. I call this pulling a Jehovah sneaky, right? He disappeared up the mountain. He was like, ah, they're going to make me king by force. Remember this? Yeah. And this is the deal. They wanted a natural king who can do supernatural things. They wanted a natural king who can do supernatural things. But God wanted to give them a supernatural kingdom in which he's the king of kings. Did you hear what I said? The whole plan is I'm going to be a supernatural dispenser of a supernatural kingdom. You're going to receive a kingdom. You're going to be kings and lords in. I ain't never bet, met a broke king, by the way. Just saying that. Anyway, and Miss <laughs> Beverly liked it. I'm good. Anyway, the Lord wants to impart to you a kingdom so that he can be lord of lords, king of kings. Amen. Amen. Come on, say Amen. amen. So the plan is not God come do it. The plan is you go do it in partnership with God. If I go away, it's better that I go away. Right? So this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about rightly discerning the broken body of Jesus as ours to give away. Rightly discerning the broken body of Jesus as ours to give away. That's the path towards miraculous living. And listen, I've prayed for people and they've not been healed. Anybody else? Just me. I've prayed for people and they've died. I prayed for them to come back to life. They didn't. I'm not talking from some place of non-experience. I have experience that disagrees with what I'm saying. Hello? But that's all you need to hear for me to tell you that his word is higher than my experience. He has elevated above all things his word and his name. It's higher. His word, what he has spoken, is higher than what I have seen. Actions speak louder than words. Whose words are you talking about? Your actions don't speak louder than his word. They never will. That's good news. Ha <laughs> Amen. He says you're righteous no matter what you do. He says you will do greater things whether you do them or not. Come on. He doesn't go, oh, there's, they're doing greater things. Like, anyone see, anyone believes me, they'll do greater things like that. No, he says it before anybody has the opportunity to do it. Why? Because his words create. Amen. So we need to discern the broken body of Jesus as ours to give away. That's the path towards miracles. If you're not giving of yourself, you're not going to see miracles. You know? Amen? I'm talking about miracle provision for every area of life. Emotionally, physically, all of it. We should be emotionally wealthy. We should have care to give away. I'd be like, I just can't. I can't deal with people today. I said that like four days ago. I cannot deal with people today. I was emotionally bankrupt. That's not right. That's not the kingdom. I was looking maybe at my natural resource and not the source. Amen. Come on. Are you okay? Did I hurt you too bad? Are you all right? Did I bore you? I don't know. Sometimes it's hard to read your faces. It's like, that looks like a wheel turning face and an angry face. I don't know which one. Don't know which one. (laughs) Anyway, I want to rightly discern the broken body. Amen. Don't you want to rightly discern this broken body as, as something we're giving away. We're giving it away. We're giving here's a miracle. Here's a miracle. Here's a kind word. Here's an encouragement. Here's my time. Jesus has provided for everything. Jesus has provided for everything. Amen. Amen. Come on, just put your hand on your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, you are my source. You are my provision. I have no lack. Ooh, I feel this. Lack is a lie. Lack is a lie. Lack is a lie. I've been given everything. According to life and godliness. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. In the heavenly realms. All things are mine. In Christ. You are my source. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com.